Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The 49ers face the Cowboys this weekend. We've got the number one Cowboys supporter with us, Jesse Naylor, on the channel today. We're going to talk about how the 49ers stopped Dak Prescott and much more on the show today. Stay tuned. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another live show. I'm here with Jesse Naylor. Obviously, of last second sports, Jesse. How are you doing today, man? How about them boys, huh? How about yeah, them boys? I know. <laughs> like, for those of you guys that do not know Jesse, he normally has a good amount of Cowboys attire in the background. Of uh-huh. course, he had to change it to come on my channel because I don't accept that on my channel. The, the hat as well, I had to ship it over to him. But nah, being serious, appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on. Hey, anytime, man. We 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 were talking backstage. We were supposed to do it Monday. But then all of a sudden that game mattered because the Minnesota Vikings couldn't do what they needed to do. So we had to play the winner of that game. I was like, well, we should probably watch the teams that we're going to have to play in this game. And uh, yeah, so here we are, man. Probably better, actually, that we waited till Thursday. I think it's a little bit more fun this way. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, now we know who we're going to play. And it's the matchup I'm sure many 49ers fans wanted, the Dallas Cowboys and it's a matchup we saw last year in the wild card round. Or wait, yeah, I believe in the wild card round. Uh, another 49ers win there, 23-17. This one might be a little different. Just start uh, by giving me your thoughts when you heard it was going to be the Cowboys. And uh, what are you thinking for this game? Yeah, I think, first of all, I, I picked them to lose against Tampa. I really thought Tampa was getting healthy at the right time. They were at home. Dallas had never beaten Tom Brady. This team in particular had lost to Tampa to start the season off two years in a row. I just, I felt like Tampa would, would probably win that game. And so once Minnesota lost, I'm like, all right, we got to prepare for Tom Brady and, you know, let's see if he can pull out some magic. And there was a little bit of nervousness there and they just, that team was really bad. They didn't belong. The Cowboys did exactly what they should. And the Cowboys are a good team. And, And that's, That's one thing I want to say. I I do want to give the Cowboys credit because I do think they are the most complete team that the 49ers have played. I'm not going to say they're the best, but not many teams can win games and multiple games with their backup quarterback the way that the 49ers have been able to. Dallas didn't get to their third stringer, but their backup quarterback held it down. And that's because the team's complete. The team can beat you running. They can beat you passing. They've got a good defense. They're not as complete as the 49ers, but they're not far behind. They are not far behind. There's a lot of talent on that team as well. I don't think that this game is is going to be a, a cakewalk by any means. I think it'll be tough. I think Dallas is probably a little bit more ready for the physicality. We'll see how ready, mm-hmm. but I think this game is going to be a, a good one, a throwback, a classic for sure. Yeah, no, I think so too. It's going to be a fun matchup and Obviously, there's a, a good amount of history between these two teams, both recently and uh, in the past, and so it's going to it's going to be a fun matchup. Clearly, the ticket sales have shown 
that the matchup is a big one. The tickets have jumped up significantly in price. I think the average cost for a ticket when factoring in everything is like over $1,000. It's like $1,300. So it's going to be a, a very fun game overall. And let's get into it about the matchup itself because the 49ers and the Cowboys, It you I think you could say that both have improved in a way this year. And before we talk about this specific matchup, I want to backtrack, talk about the matchup we just had because the 49ers had a pretty dominant performance, a 41 to 23 win, but we do want to isolate where they could have improved. So what are kind of the areas that you thought the 49ers struggled with uh, versus Seattle? Yeah. First of all, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it was a little bit overblown. I, I know that at halftime they were down by one Jimmy Ward. I mean, terrible penalty to make that happen but the 49ers weren't playing great on either side of the ball and they still really realistically should have had a lead going into halftime they should have been up 16 14 i think that game was as much of a product as playing seattle for a third time and them just kind of being used to the 49ers physicality knowing what to expect seeing it for a third time i think a lot of it had to do with that and when you really break down the game it was one quarter it was the second quarter. 49ers were better for three quarters, but that one quarter, Seattle did their thing and it made it closer than what it should have been. I think looking at that game, for me, um, you know, overall, you would you would hope the defense would have suffocated them a little bit more, a little bit quicker. And it was still even dicey at the beginning of the third quarter before that strip sack. So it, it took a little bit. It took a little bit for this team to to get on track. It took a minute for Purdy to get going. It took a minute for the defense to get going. So I would say start start faster. I mean, that's definitely got to happen. But overall, when you really break down the game, I, I just I don't think there was really anything that was super alarming, at least from my standpoint, other than start a little bit faster. And when you know you're the better team, end it, end it earlier. That that's what I would say, but I don't think there's anything to be super scared of from that game. I really do think a lot of it is a product of of a division opponent. Third time seeing them, you got to expect their best in that scenario. Yeah, I think that that's the case, right? Obviously, the 49ers Seahawks have played a good amount this year. The last game was a little closer than the first game, but the 49ers have fairly been dominant in all three performances. It's been out of hand for the majority of the game. Obviously, in the last one. In week 15, Seattle pulled through with three minutes left, but the 49ers shut it out. And before that, it was 28-7. So they had majority of the season against the Seahawks. When you talk about the struggles, yeah, there were some things in the first half. But really, I don't think that anything wasn't fixable when you talk about it. Brock Purdy, his performance, playoff jitters. He had them. He, he knows it. Kyle Shanahan knew it. Everybody knew it in the beginning. But the good thing, the one thing we've seen with Kyle Shanahan has been he has altered what his game plan would be when his quarterback has faltered in the playoffs. And this time that wasn't the case. He went to Kyle, uh, he went to Brock Purdy 19 times in the first half. Purdy completed nine of those passes, but he continued to dial up shot plays, taking advantage of a Seattle defense trying to stop the run and really try to play to that strength and instill that confidence in Purdy. Purdy responded in the second half with a 9 of 11 performance, 175 yards, a dominant performance in the second half because he was able to uh, relax after that first half. But it's cool to see Kyle Shanahan stick with this quarterback, have the confidence in it after not necessarily having – I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan shouldn't have done it before uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's cool to see that he had that confidence and that confidence paid off in the second half. And one other thing I want to point out, a lot of people worrying about the 49ers not running the football in the first half. I don't think I had a problem with the way Kyle Shanahan called that game in the first half. And you saw what he did when the Seattle Seahawks adjusted to the amount of time San Francisco passed. They ran the ball a significant amount in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely they did. And it seems like it's interesting because you look at the San Francisco 49ers, you, you have the number one defense, so many studs on that side of the ball, but really this team is starting to become an offensive driven team. It, it's You're starting to see the the passing of the torch from the defense to the offense, really the offense is more talented when you look at it. I mean, there's many more all pros on that side of the ball than there is the defensive side. 
I think now that they have a quarterback that they feel like can at least do a little something extra than what Jimmy gave us, I think it's just enough for this offense to to really tick. You add in CMC, it just it, it's like I said, it's crazy to say it with the number one defense, but I think this is an offensive team. I think it's an offensive driven team, and that's not something we've been able to say in the Shanahan era, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree, and really, this is the first time. Uh, in his career where Kyle Shanahan has been tested a lot because you lost your offensive coordinator. Uh, the offense went down to his third string quarterback. You're not, su- you're not expected to succeed under these conditions, but Kyle Shanahan has done a good job. And I got to ask you because this talk has formulated on Twitter a good amount. So much. Yeah. So much this week out of nowhere after both sides had pretty solid performances. Do you think that Kyle Shanahan, like, Here's what I'll say. Kyle Shanahan, 10 of Brock Brock Purdy's 30 throws against Seattle were deemed wide open by next-gen stats. Do you think that Kyle Shanahan is to – is he the guy or is Brock Purdy also a part of the reasoning? Or is is Kyle kind of helping Brock out or is Brock kind of helping Kyle out? What do you kind of think? What do you take away from it? Can I say both? Because I think it's both. And and here's, here's what I mean by this. I think Kyle, with these weapons, any quarterback is going to be elevated. No matter what, they're automatically going to be elevated. You're going to get the best of that quarterback with Kyle Shanahan drawing plays in these offensive weapons. I don't think there's any denying that. However, it is also possible that the quarterback can elevate to another level. So I'll give you an example. If you threw Nick Mullins in this offense, you're going to get the best version of Nick Mullins, but there's there's a ceiling there. You know, there's, there's only so much he's going to be able to do. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to bring it to another level above a Nick Mullins, but Brock Purdy's bringing it another level past Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that it's both. If the comparison is what Jimmy could do in this offense, I think Kyle elevated Jimmy. He's elevating Brock, but Brock is elevating the offense in a way that Jimmy couldn't. So I, I really do think that it's both. And it, it definitely, like when you look at it long-term, these are questions that I have. How much of it's Brock? How much of it is it, is it Kyle? We know that Brock's elevating it, but, but is it enough for him to be the starter forever? I think these are long-term questions that we will eventually get answers to. But for right now, what I do know is this team is better with Purdy than it was with Garoppolo. And that just might be enough to win a Super Bowl this year. And we can worry about the future a little bit later. I think that that's the best way to put it, because here's what I said on the topic. Kyle Shanahan has certainly elevated Brock Purdy's play because I mean, the weapons have as well. That's, that's what you're going to expect from this team. For sure. You've seen it with the amount of open throws that Kyle Shanahan has schemed. He's really been in his bag as of late. However, We've also seen what that Kyle Shanahan has done this with other quarterbacks, and other quarterbacks have not had the same results. They've struggled sometimes to hit those open throws or to make that read to to go through their progressions and do things like that. And they've also struggled to extend plays, especially Garoppolo after the ACL surgery. They've struggled to extend plays. Brock Purdy has done a combination of all three, and that has led to some of the success. So, yes, he has elevated the offense because of the added ability that he's had in addition to what the other quarterbacks have shown before. But I don't think it's right necessarily to demean either of their performances because both are contributing well to the offense. It's fair to say Kyle Shanahan is doing a phenomenal job thus far, and it's also fair to say Brock Purdy is executing the offense at a level that no other 49er quarterback has done in the past. I, and and I think I'll put it like this: if you put if you put Brock Purdy on, I don't know, the the Bears. If you put Brock Purdy on the on the Bears and he starts all year, they're probably still going to get the first pick. You know, like right. And that's okay to say, but if you take Brock Purdy away from Kyle Shanahan and you replace him with Nick Mullins, they're not Super Bowl contenders. You see, so it, it goes both ways, like. It's fine. It's it's cool that these guys can elevate each other, and I think it's great that they're on the same page and that they know exactly what to expect from each other. They trust each other, and I, I think it's playing out beautifully. And like I said, to me, all I care about is this year 
I think it's enough to win a Super Bowl, and that's really all we need to worry about. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Purdy and Lance and you know all these things in the offseason, and it's gonna be at nauseum because every channel that you click to on YouTube is gonna be talking about it week after week after week after week, and you know reading through cryptic tweets and Instagram likes and all sorts of crazy stuff. I promise you, you'll get your fill. Now is just not the time. I agree. And before I continue, I do want to give a shout out to everyone who has entered the chat. Ryan P. Conley, thank you for tuning in, as well as Bebop Jones, Mariah Faithfully, and John V. Thank you so much, all of y'all, for tuning in. We appreciate all of you guys. And moving forward, because now that we've debunked the Kyler Brock talk and all that, let's get to the Dallas Cowboys, because the Dallas Cowboys are going to impose probably the, the toughest challenge the 49ers have faced thus far as of late, right? Uh, going into the divisional round, I thought that the Cowboys were the toughest of the three teams we could have faced with the Vikings, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Cowboys, and they proved it with their Monday night performance. So with that defense, how should the 49ers attack the defense? What should be the game plan going to that game? I mean, Dallas has to prove to me that they can stop the run. They have to. They have to prove to me that they can stop the run, and that's been an issue of theirs all season long. I I look at this like a, a boxing match. And to me, every time that you run and you run at a Micah Parsons, you may not get a huge gain from it, but it's like a body blow. And if you add enough body blows to the bank, eventually those legs get tired in the late rounds and you can start going for the head and trying to knock people out. That's what the 49ers are looking to do here. Just stick with the run, body blow, body blow, body blow, and then eventually it'll pay off and you can go for the KO KO punch at the head, you know? So that's the way that I see it. I think the 49ers have got to look at this and just say, we just got to outlast them. We got to outlast them. We got to out-physical them. We got to play our brand of football, and that should be enough to win because if we play our best, we are better than the Cowboys. The Cowboys are good, and, and they're not scrubs at all. I think this is a fantastic matchup but the 49ers are the better team they are the more physical team they are a team that i think can exploit dallas's weakness more than dallas can exploit the 49ers weaknesses you you just gotta stick true to who you are and if you do that enough eventually you should come out the winner of this game and I think that that's fair, right? The number one thing, you've got to make the other defense respect you. And the 49ers, well, the Cowboys have an issue. They give up 130 yards per game, uh, and they give it up on 4.4 yards per carry. What does that mean? It means one of two things. They give up a good amount of yards. But if while they don't give it up on a good amount of yards per carry, that means the other team is running a solid amount on you, which is also a just a, a, a way to see how the game is going. And so to me, I think the 49ers do have to make the Cowboys respect their offense. Now, the one thing I'm curious uh, on doing is, or on seeing is, do the 49ers implement a game plan similar to the Seattle game, or do they go with a run-heavy approach from the beginning? Because the 49ers faced the Seattle defense that was porous against the run as well, but they chose to try and stretch it out because Seattle chose to sell out against the run instead of looking to uh, defend a balanced approach. And so Brock Purdy threw 19 times. The 49ers ran just 10 times. Will the 49ers do something similar in the first half to try and get Dallas to back off the run before imposing their physicality and their will? That could happen. Now, I don't know if I'd expect the amount of deep shots again, trying to test Dallas deep that way, or the yards after the catch to try continuing imposing that physicality early on in the game where it would be similar to the run game. That's the question I want to see, but... I do think that that run has to be respected, especially the outside zone, because I think Dallas and Micah Parsons and their outside linebackers, that's where I think they got to worry more in the run game because the linebackers have been solid. But when you get to the outside zone with the way the 49ers are able to block, those explosive plays really lead that offense. 49ers, not necessarily the best in run after run after run, but they can create explosive plays. And that's been their bread and butter, especially to the outside zone. Yeah, and I think the 49ers can mimic what they did last week, but do it in a slightly different way. So I think for me, I would prefer that the run game dominates in the first half because like I said, I want to cash in on those body blows. However, 
what I would not be surprised of and what I would do if I was running the offense is I'd go play action deep shot twice to start the game. Not just the first play. I'm going to try it again if I fail. And my goal is to know, let them know, like, hey, we're we're not just going to run. And I think Dallas, I, you don't have to establish the run to get the respect of the defense that the run's coming. I think they're right. going to be amped up. They're going to be ready for a physical fight. And they're going to be looking to stop the run. Like, hey, if we can stop their run game early and show them that we're not here for play, then maybe they'll respect us physically. And I think that you might be able to get that defense to suck up enough to where you can score a deep shot early. And if you do it twice and not once to start the game, okay, you know what? You, they may not fall for the first play. Teams do this. There's no way that they're thinking this is going to happen twice to start the game. I would take those deep shots twice to start, see what you can get with it. And then from there, I think that's enough to where it's like, okay, shoot, they can pass or they're willing to pass off of this. If you complete one, then it's even worse. You're even more in their head. And then from there, you can just run, 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 finish the first half and then start cashing in again in the second half. Yeah, uh, to me, I, I agree. You don't necessarily need to run the football to establish the run. In mm -hmm. fact, many offensive coordinators and many players say the saying, you, util you establish the run by setting up with the passing game. You use the pass to set up the run. Why? Because by setting up uh, the, the run with the passing game, you're forcing them to respect your passing game. Because what did Kyle Shanahan do last game? He he continued to exploit the sing the Seahawks single high coverage by having the post the deep post route and then the dig route. That really it's a, it's a two man read. You either read the uh, intermediate part of the field because you exploit those linebackers; they're not dropping back into coverage enough, or you take the deep shot. And that happened time and time again. Now, Brock Purdy obviously didn't execute to the highest level in the first half. But when you saw the execution in the second half, you saw the success the 49ers had. And when you balance that level of play with running the football as well, it's hard because you don't the defense doesn't know how to adjust necessarily. You don't know which one to stop. And that's how the 49ers uh, should approach this game. Not necessarily all, uh, they have to be similar to the Seattle game, but you can utilize the run more in the first half as well, but you need to keep that balanced approach, keep Dallas on their toes so that you're not predictable enough offensively. Yeah, 100%. And and like I said, the running game's already established. Like mm -hmm. they, you don't have to run a single play for them to know that you want to run the ball and you can run the ball. They, it's already respected. It's built in. It, the cachet is there. So why not take a shot or two early? See if you can... can uh, I mean, because Im imagine, imagine that you score in one of those first two plays, just the letdown that possibly could come throughout that team. Because one thing I will tell you, it's very obvious to me that Dallas has been wanting this matchup for the last year. It's it's been Probably. yeah, it's it's been a nightmare to them. It's something that they've been waiting for. It's something they're amped up for. It's like, okay, we weren't ready for it last year. We know what to expect this year. We got you. We we got you. And this is a, a game that they wanted at some point. I I do believe that. Now that doesn't mean you don't have to be scared to get your ass whooped, right? Like you don't have to be scared to to lose a fight. But I don't think they're scared. I don't think they are intimidated. However, if you come in amped up and the 49ers score quick, that could take the wind out of your sails real fast that could really change things up and it's like oh man this isn't the jimmy garoppolo offense that we messed with last year this is a whole different beast we can't just tone in on the run because purdy's going to take those shots over the top so I, I think that you can really put them on their heels very very quickly in this game if you do it right yeah no i i, I do agree and to me this is also a two-part kind of story the 49ers, Cowboys defense, how does the Cowboys defense react to the run game? How can they defend the run well while also manning the play action in their secondary? I think it's got to start with the run for them. But it's also on the flip side because the 49ers are now facing a mobile-ish quarterback in Dak Prescott. Mm. And really, quote from Jerry Jones himself uh, intrigued me earlier this week. Jones talked about Dak Prescott. He said the secret to beating the 49ers Maybe with Dak Prescott and his legs. 
which means we could see some designed runs. We could see some extra action from Prescott that we really haven't seen recently from Prescott in terms of with his mobility. He can extend plays, but we haven't seen the designed plays for Prescott. What do you do? You think that that could be a, a factor? And how do you think the 49ers defend a mobile quarterback like Dak Prescott? I do. I do think it's a factor. I think that's the one thing that when I look at this game and try to break it down, that's the one thing I don't have an answer for because it's not like Dak is super mobile quarterback where you're going to spy him. You're not going to waste a defender on that because at max, you're going to see him run six, seven times on 40 dropbacks. You know what I mean? So you're not going to waste a spy on that, but those are the ones that kill you the most. As soon as the defense turns their back, it's third and five. Maybe your defense needs to get off the field. Offense is struggling a little bit. And then all of a sudden you get that backbreaker run to keep the chains moving, keep you on the field. Those are the concerns that I have. And Dak, more than ever, he's looking like young Dak again. Last year, he was completely unwilling to run. And I it was obvious. It was the leg injury. And then he had lower extremity injuries that kind of were plagued based off of the leg injury and trying to work his way back. This year, he started out a little bit slow, but if you look at the last month or so of the season, including last week, you'll see six rushing attempts, six rushing attempts, seven rushing attempts. He's starting to run the ball more like he did when he was a little bit younger. He's starting to get that confidence in, and it can be the backbreaker, like I said, Russell Wilson style, Patrick Mahomes style. All it takes is a couple of those throughout a game, and it can really flip it on its head. So that's the one thing that I don't have an answer for. And that's the one thing that does, does concern me about the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And I think it has the attention of the players for sure. Nick Bosa was asked earlier this week, how does he feel about the 49ers and a mobile quarterback? He understands they got to, they got to play better. He thinks they've played better recently, but, but again, they overestimated Jarrett Stidham. I wonder, do they overestimate Dak Prescott given that on film, he doesn't run the football much in terms of designed runs and things like that. And also, how do the 49ers react? Because Dak Prescott, when you look at his splits, he's not he's he's way better against the blitz than when you rush for and you get pressure. He only completes 50% of his passes when he's pressured, but he completes 69% against the blitz. There's a huge disparity of when he's blitzed and pressured than when he's not blitzed and pressured. Prescott, you've got to be able to rush forward and you've got to be able to get to the quarterback. But again, you've got to maintain him in the pocket while also rushing for. The 49ers, they had a bad uh, a bad blitz case in a way last week. The Charvarius Ward touchdown to DK Metcalf, that came when the 49ers blitzed six. They they, yep. they got to be able to get the pressure there if they do blitz. Otherwise, Dak Prescott could have a, a nice day in the pocket. And that's talking about him in the pocket. We've got to also worry about him as a rusher as well. Yeah, 100% you do. And that's just it. I mean, the way that you stop a mobile quarterback is you send five at him and you you fill all the lanes. But you're taking an extra defender off the field as far as the passing game goes, and Dak's good enough to beat you with his arm too. So it is. It's it's a conundrum that you're in. I don't know. I don't know how they handle it. I really don't because Dak, he does. He has his mo mobility back. He has his legs back. There's a few other things. Um, that I think Dallas can do as well that can really cause problems for the 49ers. If, I, if I'm Dallas, I'm letting Dak know that he has a green light to run. I'm going up-tempo. And I am putting CeeDee Lamb in the slot. You do those three things, I think you can cause a lot of problems for this defense. You can definitely put them on a backpedal. You don't allow them to sub out by going up-tempo. Dak Prescott kills you with a back-breaking third-and-five run. And CeeDee Lamb, you put him in the slot. Charvarius Ward can't follow him there because if he does, then you've got a major mismatch on the outside. you got to put Jimmy Ward on the outside on a gallop. That's just not going to happen. So those three things right there, right. if I'm Dallas, that's the keys to my offense. I'm doing those three things, and I'm doing them often. Yeah, I, I think that that's important. CeeDee Lamb in the slot, I think we could see – CD Lamb utilized like Tyler Lockett's utilized in Seattle, a 50% yep. kind of split in the slot on the outside to create those mismatches for sure. And the other thing I want to talk about with Dak Prescott, well, there's a lot to kind of unpack here. Well, Prescott's only been sacked 20 times in the 12 games he's played. Of the 20 times, six came in one game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Cowboys have done a fairly good job in protecting him, only 1.6 sacks allowed per game. 
Meanwhile, the 49ers obviously averaged 2.6 or 2.8 sacks per game uh, over the year. Do you think that that is a matchup to watch? And do you think the 49ers have the favor in that, especially after the way that Abraham Lucas played very well against Nick Bosa this past week? Yeah, I mean, I think Nick Bosa is always a <laughs> he's always a nightmare. I think. If they're going to continue to rush for, they got to get creative with it. You, you, they cannot, they cannot just be wide nine, rush the quarterback. That that's not going to work. That's not going to be a way to to win this, in my opinion. What I saw was where Nick Bosa was his most effective. Um, one, he he got got to uh, I think it was Kenneth Walker that that ran the ball on this particular play, but he got to Kenneth Walker quick, stopped him for a loss. The other one was on the Amenahu strip sack. Right. Um, where Bosa is the one that actually pushed Gino up into the pocket so that Amina who could get his hands on him. Both of those came off of being creative. Both of those, if I remember correctly, came off of when they moved three defensive linemen to one side, mm-hmm. had one wide out on the other side, and attacked him that way. And I believe through three quarters, they did that twice. They ran one stunt, and they ran Nick Bosa, or one stunt with Nick, and they had Nick Bosa one other time line up over the guard on the interior of the line. Only four plays they got real creative with Nick. In two of those plays, he had a major impact on the result of those plays. You have to get creative. There's no reason to just line up and say, all right, we're better. We got him. Go do your thing. You can do that, but you can still get creative with it. I think D'Amico Ryans, it's on you to get creative and get Nick Bosa in different areas and just give them different eye candy so that you're not just straight pass rushing. You have to do more, be more creative this week than you were last week with those types of lineups when it comes to that front four. Yeah, I agree. And the creativity, that's where D'Amico Ryans, I think he's going to be challenged. That, that, uh, what do you call it? That formation that you talked about where they have the three and then the one in the wide nine, they've used that with these stunts to, to, and it's worked recently uh, with the 49ers. They normally utilize their linebackers as well with Fred Warner, Aziz Alshire, Drake Greenlaw in the formation as well. And it's, it's worked because you get Nick Bosa on the interior. When you get him on the interior, what does that mean? You don't necessarily have the the double team or the chip that could come with him on the edge. And that's a valuable thing because you get him on a one-on-one. Now, Bosa obviously has to increase his effectiveness from the pass game, but I don't think that Dallas – it's not that I don't think that Dallas will uh, will necessarily let him go, but I think that Nick Bosa should learn from this past game. And I think the 49ers should have a better game plan if Nick Bosa gets chipped. It's not like they had a bad pass rush last week. They still had 16 pressures. Omenahue had five. Armstead had three and each had three sacks combined. Uh, so it's not like they had a bad pass rush, but now the effectiveness is there. And I think the creativity is going to be important as well. Last thing yeah. on Dak Prescott, the interceptions, 15 and 12 games this year. And, uh, you know, that's been a thing. He hasn't had a, uh, a single stretch where two games without an interception this year. How do you think that that impacts this game? Do you think the 49ers are able to get one? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think so. I mean, the 49ers, the defense has been very handsy, and they are forcing a lot of turnovers. Every single game, it seems like multiple turnovers are coming. It's the same thing that happened with that defense down the stretch last year when they started to turn things around. I, I do. I think they're going to get their hands on one, but I, I would expect that Dallas gets their hands on one as well. I, I think, you know, for as good as Purdy has played, I do think that that sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And he's thrown some up in every single game. And and for whatever reason, you know, defense hasn't been able to come down with it. I would expect that Dallas comes down with one this game as well. Yeah, I think that that's a good talk because when we talk about turnover differential, 49ers and Dallas, they're the top two. Dallas has the most fumbles, I believe, this year with 17. And they're one of the leading uh, league leaders in takeaways. When yep. Dak Prescott turns the ball over as much as he does, and the four, uh, and the, the Cowboys are still there in, in turnover differential, that tells you something. Because the 49ers, the reason they're there is they don't turn the ball over. Right. Since Christian McCaffrey arrived, the turnovers with Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy haven't been much, and the 49ers don't fumble the football either that much. And so they create turnovers, but not necessarily at the highest rate like the Cowboys. The difference, though, the 49ers create the second most interceptions in the NFL behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Dak Prescott throws a lot of interceptions. So 
that should be a fun topic when it comes. Yeah, I mean, what it turnover wise, I mean, seriously, since since the Rams game, which was his first real week. So we're talking mm -hmm. an eleven game stretch. I mean, what if they had two, three turnovers? Like it's been not, a, I know Purdy himself has four, but Garoppolo, I don't believe, had any during that stretch. He, Garoppolo so, had zero. Purdy had since four. Since the in that Rams stretch? game, since the Rams game, I believe we have five. Because I think we had one in the Chargers game. When I was I remember I did a turnover differential article. We had one in the Chargers game, and then we've had uh the four from Purdy, one in the Dolphins, Buccaneers, didn't have one in Seattle, and then one in the Vegas game or the Commanders game. Oh, that's right. He did in the Commanders game. Okay. All right, but either way, I mean, what five Still, turnovers five in eleven games? Yeah. That's so. That, I mean, that's not even half the games you're turning the ball over in. I mean, that's that's impressive, very impressive. So, I, yeah. I do think this is the game where where they get one though, and that's the thing is I I just don't. If Dallas gets one, they're they're just getting one. I could see a scenario where 49ers pull off a couple potentially. The 49ers have not committed multiple turnovers in a game since they faced the Kansas City Chiefs in week seven. They have That's not. Wild. They have not. Dallas certainly has. Dallas is uh, a team that commits a good amount of turnovers. If I, I don't think they had a, a single one in this past game uh, no. against the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But against the, uh, who do you call them? The Commanders in week 18, they had two. And I know they had three in the week before against the Titans. And now that I'm looking at it, Dallas has committed a turnover in every game except for the Tampa Bay one. They committed every game since week 12 to week 18. Yeah. Yeah. And you go and it's coming further, from all different yeah. directions. I think their special teams had a turnover in that commander game as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's important to note. But uh, moving forward, I do want to get your, t uh, get your take on the potential X factors. Let's start with the 49ers on uh, both sides. Who do you think the X factors could be for the 49ers? Mm -hmm. okay so i mean listen this isn't crazy to say i'm not gonna throw i'm not gonna try to right. like, get cute with it and be like oh it's gonna be uh uh gray gray's gonna be the guy you know it, it's the physical players for the 49ers and i think offensively that's debo samuel he's the one that sets the tone for the 49ers and anytime i think debo samuel and Ayuk, and i Ayuk maybe not from a stats impact, but his mm -hmm. blocking is so big in this game. So yeah. big. Really. I could just say the wide receiver core because I think his blocking is, is huge. I think Jennings blocking is huge. And I think their physicality and willingness to block linebackers. Even I think that's, that's the difference between the 49ers and the rest of these guys. They will block you with wide receivers on your linebackers and win. They will win those matchups. George Kittle they win will them on go those outside one on zones. one. Yeah, right. George Kittle will go one on one with Parsons and win that matchup from time to. So it's just different. It's different, and so I think the blocking of the wide receivers can be the X factor, and so that puts all the wide receivers in that category. Now Debo is a little bit different. His is from the physicality when he gets the ball. Right. He's gonna break tackles. He's going to impose his will. And so when you have that coming from what's supposed to be the finesse group of your offense, it's you're in for a long game. You're in for a very long game. So offensively, that's where I, I would go with the X factors. I think that that's actually perfect. The entire wide receiver room. When you look at the statistics, when I was writing some of the articles this week, Dallas actually minimizes the impact to running backs. I think they've given up the fewest touchdowns to running backs all year of any team. I think they've only given up four. Uh, but when you look at receivers, they've given up the most, 22. And that, I mean, when you when you think about it, who do they have? They have Trayvon Diggs. Mm -hmm. And at CB2, it, I mean, they have Deron Bland in the slot, a rookie. And at CB2, with Anthony Brown out, who, let's face it, is an average to below average corner, they, they don't really have too, too much. They have Israel Mukuamu, like not necessarily a top caliber option at CB2. And Trayvon right. Diggs himself is known to give up touchdowns. That's that's yeah. one thing that he those is safeties are good, though. I want to give credit to those safeties. They are. They are they're good. Jaron Curse was a guy who I really wanted for the 49ers last year. Underrated guy. They, their safeties are good. Their safeties are good. But they give the, the, the team itself gives up 22 touchdowns to receivers this year, most yep. in the NFL. The 49ers are going to look to target those receivers. We saw an increased 
uh, usage for Debo Samuel this past game. 16, or no, not 16, nine touches uh, in terms of six catches, three uh, three rushes, and really an, a very impactful game overall for Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, he cooked last year, and just Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't get him the ball. This year, we could see if Brock Purdy can get him the ball instead because he could line up against Trayvon Diggs, which is a big thing. And so I think that, yeah, those guys are going to be important. Yeah, 100%. How about defensively? Who do you think? I think, again, I, I got to go with the physicality. And the two guys that that bring that physicality and set that tone, Dre Greenlaw, Kalanoa Hafunga. Those are the ones right there. I, you know, both... Well, Greenlaw is a freak athlete. I mean, he's incredible as is, but just his willingness <laughs> to get dirty and Hafunga's willingness to get dirty and, and thump you mm-hmm. again, tone setters. It's all about being physical in this game. And so who are your most physical players? That's them. Those are the guys that will set the tone defensively. And I think, you know, Either they cause a separation that ends up in an interception because they just separate the receiver from the ball um, or, you know, a receiver alligator arms it, that type of situation, you get an interception. I think those guys have got to set the tone physically. Again, this is this is a playground fight. you got to be the bullies in this game. you got to remind them why they shut down last year. you got to remind them that they were sore for two weeks and they talked about that. Last year, when they lost to the 49ers, you have to remind them that you are the bully. So be the bully. And the guys that are, are going to do that are the guys that hit the hardest and fly around with reckless abandon. Afunga, Greenlaw, those two. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go with the very obvious one, but I think it's still a vital one. Mine is Nick Bosa, and obviously Nick Bosa, DPOY, he's going to be an X-Factor every game. But after the match, or the game he had last weekend... I do want to see how can he impact the game this time if the if the Cowboys look to chip, if the Cowboys look to double team. Why? Because I think rushing with four or rushing with five is going to be vital in this game. I don't know if you're going to get help from the linebacker blitzes and from the different uh, utilizations of uh, schemes that D'Amico Ryans likes to use given how Dak Prescott is effective against them. And so I expect stunts, but I also want to see can Nick, Nick Bosa really beat guys like Tyron Smith? Can he beat Tyler Smith? or Jason Peters, whoever starts at left guard. Can he do that himself in these one-on-ones or even one-on-twos to see if the 49ers can get pressure with four because that's where they want Dak Prescott to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they've got, it's not going to be Tyron Smith or Peters. It's going to be their other Smith, their rookie Smith. Yeah, Tyler Um, Smith. Yeah. Tyler Smith, Tyler Smith. Yeah, yeah. So Tyler Smith is extremely strong. But he's not refined. So I think, you know, the technique of Bosa can cause him some fits. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about the Cowboys? Do you think that there are any X factors there that could help them sway the game in their favor? Yeah, I mean, for Pollard. I mean, Pollard's a really good player. He probably shouldn't be a pro bowler or a CMC, but really good player. And there have been multiple games that I've watched where it's like, man, this guy gets it on a wheel route and he is gone. Like he yeah. can break a game open. He he is their big play, uh, big playmaker on offense. He's the guy. He's the explosive one. So I think he can be the X factor on offense 100 percent I think he's the guy. Um defensively, man, I, I think Curse can be the guy. I mean, we'll see how healthy he is. But if Curse is the one that gets the assignment of Kittle, whoever gets the assignment of Kittle, I, I think can be an X factor over there. So um, I, I would assume that would be Curse. So I would put him defensively as, as the X factor. I like both options. I mean, when you talk about Tony Pollard, I think a determining factor for the Cowboys is can they really develop a running game against the 49ers? Not many teams have done that. And the Seahawks had like an inkling of it with Kenneth Walker. He he was there in the first half, and he was able to really operate without a strong offensive line by being patient. But he only had 63 yards and only on 4.2 yards per carry. And the, the Seahawks, they faded in the second half, especially when they had to revert to a passing attack. 
The Cowboys need to stay in this game, and I think they do so if they can keep a balanced approach. And that is if they utilize Tony Pollard a lot more. So one, they've got to get a, uh, an efficient running game, which Tony Pollard is involved with, but they also got to give more carries to Pollard, who clearly is the more effective running back between the two. I know you and I said it last night, but if they give it to Zeke, it's a win for the defense because of how how efficient or inefficient really Zeke Elliott has been. It's a win yep. for the defense. So you got to give the ball to Tony Pollard, but can Tony Pollard be effective? Uh, the one way the 40, or the 49ers were a little, not necessarily limited, but they saw some issues last week where the angles that they could have taken in the outside zone, you saw Drake Greenlaw uh, miss on one with the touchdown, but it doesn't happen that often. So you need to, uh, the Cowboys need to capitalize on those opportunities. Tony Pollard provides them. I like that. And as for J. Ron Curse, I mean, he's a guy who really just does everything for them uh, out of that safety position. He's really valuable to that defense. And yeah, I think his availability is going to be important because it doesn't seem like he's going to be 100% if he plays. He said he will play, but if he plays, doesn't know if he's going to be 100%, and that might change the outcome of that game. I think Schultz is one to watch as well. I mean, he's really come on this year big. Big boy. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, so he he's a guy that just naturally he could impose his will physically, throw it up to him. You get him in a one-on-one -on -one matchup. I mean, it doesn't really matter who's on him. He's going to be the bigger man. So I think he's a guy to, to watch out for. And they, they like to hit, I mean, get him in those seam routes, hit him up the seam. Um, he's a guy that, that also could kind of help break things open with a big 20-yard gain up the seam and, and get that offense going. So I think Schultz is a guy to look out for as well. I like it because the combination of Schultz and Lamb in the uh, slot. in the slot and then in the uh, inline tight end position, you're going to force those safeties and linebackers to cover a little more. Jimmy Ward yeah. will obviously be there, but you've got to now Schultz on a Fred Warner or if they play zone more likely, uh, or some more cover three, you're going to have to fill in those gaps where Schultz and uh, C.D. Lamb are with, uh, if if they're lined up together. And so, yeah, that's going to be important. And Schultz had a huge game. He's had multiple touchdown games. He's a red zone red zone threat. And the 49ers, that's one place which is going to be vital. If you can turn touchdowns into field goals, that saves you four points in a in a crucial moment. Yeah, and and that's the way I look at it. I mean. If the 49ers are are in a cover three, I mean, you run two guys up the seam, you just who are you choosing? That's what it comes down yeah. to. If if they're in a cover four, which they also like to run a, an awful lot, um, you know, or or show a two deep shell, use those guys as decoys and then let let Pollard get loose the way that the 49ers do with CMC. And if those linebackers carry far enough, then it's like, all right, we'll just dump it off to Pollard and see if he can make somebody miss and, and make something happen. So I, you know, they're they're Listen, this defense is not flawless. The 49ers defense is very good, but every defense has weaknesses. And I do think the, that Dallas has the horses to exploit them if they do it properly. I agree. I agree. Just want to give a shout out to some of the guys who came in a little later in the stream. CJ Gray, thank you for tuning in, as well as Este85, Bang Bang Niner Green. Agree with you there. Steve O Supremo, thank you as well for tuning in, as well as Bryant Culp. Everyone, make sure you guys smash the like button, hit the subscribe button as well. Really appreciate all the support that you guys always give on these uh, evening kind of live streams. I know you're doing it in spite of my guest here. I know not many people like him. So really, I appreciate you guys' support because I know it's a burden having him on the show. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, I'm never doing this show again. I'm going on Polo show. You said that last week. time. You said that last time you came That's back, true. somehow convinced you. <laughs> uh, but the last topic of the day, not necessarily related to this, uh, to this, uh, this battle between the 49ers and the Cowboys, but an interesting topic nonetheless, strength of schedule. It's been a topic that many opposing fans have used against the 49ers because face it, the 49ers have had a, one of the easiest schedules when looking at hindsight this year, they're 30th, I believe in the NFL. Do you place any value into strength of schedule? How do you kind of view the argument? And uh, what do you think about the the topic? It's it's really it's interesting to me because both both fan bases are going to do this. You know, both fan bases, regardless of of the matchup with the 49ers, what you'll see is both fan bases like cherry picking random games that happened in October or September, and it's like, well. 
you lost to the Bears and the Falcons and the Broncos. And we're like, yeah, but you lost to whoever. And for the Dallas Cowboys, it's the Commanders in Week 18, right? Um, yes, I, I think there's no secret. The 49ers don't have the best strength of schedule, but there are multiple ways to be battle-tested. The 49ers fought through a ton of adversity this year. You look at the injuries, specifically to the quarterback position, I think that shows that you fought through adversity. And you've also got a team full of veterans that have done this before. This is not new to them. They've been to NFC championships. They've been to Super Bowls. In Charvarius Ward's case, he's he's won a Super Bowl against this 49er team. So, listen, these <laughs> looking back on on any regular schedule game it is, I think it's overblown. And and even for us, well, two weeks ago you lost to the Commanders. One that was a divisional game. Two crazy things happen. I mean, it is what it is. This is the playoffs. These teams are completely different teams than they were even two weeks ago. This is a week-to-week league. Anybody can be beaten. And I will take, even if it's against weaker opponents, I will take an 11-game win streak over being up and down to finish a season. I'll take that. Even if, it, even if history says it doesn't bode well for you, all you can do is play who's on your schedule. And the 49ers not only beat who was on their schedule, but really since Brock Purdy came in, outside of the one game against the Raiders, They've blown everybody out the way that they should. Good teams beat bad teams, and they do it easily, and the 49ers have done just that. So what else do you expect them to do? Who cares if they lost to the Chiefs in week five? Like, that was right. so long ago, so long ago. Completely different team. I, I, don't, I don't put a lot of thought into regular season matchups once you get to the playoffs. I agree. I mean, the strength of schedule talks interesting. The point of strength of schedule going into the season is to give you an outlook of how your the teams performed last year. It's yep. flawed. It gives you data, but it's also flawed. It tells you off the look how you, how your opponents may look. But then again, the NFL is a league-to-league year. Teams regress and teams get better every single year to where strength of schedule kind of becomes unfavorable when you try and talk about uh, that specific season because of how uh, interchangeable the league is. Teams have gone from worst to first. Teams have also dropped from the first place team to out of the playoffs itself. And so I think it is important to note how in, uh, in fluctuating that the strength of schedule can be. The 49ers entered this year with the number five strength of schedule. They faced the toughest teams. Why? Because three NFC West teams made the playoffs last year. And then when you go, go back and look, they end at number 30. The Cowboys enter the season at number 27. And yet the talk is about the 49ers strength of schedule. And I'm not here to say that one is more valuable than the other. It's just, it's a league to league year. Everyone thought the NFC East was going to be the worst. NFC West could have been better. Uh, and that's the opposite. The NFC East had three playoff teams this year, with the near fourth in the Washington Commanders. So to me, I don't put too much value in it. And I agree with you. I don't put too much value in the regular season games because overall, the eye test should tell you how well a team is performing, not necessarily the opponents that they play, because there are these fluctuating games. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Washington Commanders 23-6, to playing full strength with the division on the line in Week 18, yet they steamrolled the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. There are these different, different matchups. There are, uh, there are these, I guess, like matchups that you think that could, could, could go one way and could go another. But I think we've seen a lot of lot of change in the NFL this year where teams that are favored to win significantly have lost and things like that. You can point it out for every team. The Chiefs lost to the Indianapolis Colts. Could we really – the 49ers lost to the Broncos and the Bears, right, or the Falcons or whoever you want to bring up. Almost every team has this, and that's why I don't put too much value into the regular season because playoff football is different. Really, any mistake in that game kind of changes the outlook of that game. And really, upsets can happen. I think what what's happening. This is just my my opinion, my assessment. I think teams or opposing fans know that the 49ers are legit. Their hope is, their hope that is that Purdy falls off. He's mm -hmm. a rookie. He can get overwhelmed, and the only reason he hasn't yet 
is because you haven't played a team good enough to overwhelm him. That I think that is the thought from opposing teams. So that's their hope. They're hanging on to that, hoping like, okay, you know, Purdy will will lose you a game if you get the right opponent in front of you enough to expose him. We can be the team to expose him. I don't I don't think they really understand that Shanahan's going to scheme it up great. The weapons are phenomenal. And the one thing, I mean, Purdy has his flaws. And I've I've talked about those flaws, but the one thing that is not a flaw for Purdy and one thing that he has had ever since I started to like him 2 years ago, he's about as mentally tough as they come. And mm-hmm. even if he throws a pick early or even too early, I don't I, I really do not believe that he is the type to mentally unravel the way that other quarterbacks and especially rookie quarterbacks could in that situation. I don't think they understand how mentally tough he is. And that goes a long way. So yes, I think that this is his toughest matchup. May not be the best defense, but it is a defense that can force turnovers and does it at a very high clip. And it's an offense that can put up points and it's going to get even harder. You you play Philly next week. That's a tougher test. It, you play the chiefs in the super bowl, you know, so the, there's steps to this. And I do think that at this point, this is his toughest matchup and his toughest test, but I don't think he has to ace it in order to pass the test. Mm-hmm. He can come in and have a C plus game much like Jimmy Garoppolo had last year, and that's enough to win because this team is just that damn good. So unless all of a sudden Purdy just forgets how to play the position, mentally unravels, throwing picks left and right, loses all of his mojo, that's the only way that you're winning this game because of a Brock Purdy mistake. You may find another way to win it, but it's not going to be because of Purdy. I really don't believe that. Yeah, I mean, you got to just remember, Brock Purdy is what Kyle Shanahan wants out of his quarterback position at the moment. He just wants Mm -hmm. his quarterback to be aggressive and hit the throws that he puts on field. Brock Purdy is just running the offense the way Kyle Shanahan wants. It's not too much. I'm not going to say it's not too much freedom because I disagree. uh, But the quarterback has a direct role in the offense, and Purdy is doing his role. He's admitted it in uh, in press conferences. He says – Kyle schemes up the offense. I'm just running the offense the way Kyle wants it because that's the way that you want to do it. And that's why to bet against Brock Purdy in a way is to bet against Kyle Shanahan. Sure, he has his flaws, but at the moment, that's why a lot of the NFL national uh, analysts, a lot of the pundits are rolling with the 49ers at the moment, despite how good the Cowboys can be, despite how good other teams can be, and despite the way the 49ers started this season. Yeah. Absolutely. So I get it. I mean, that's probably if I was an opposing fan base, that would be my hope too, is like, oh, hey, we're going to put it all on Purdy and he's going to have to go win the game. And that may happen. It may happen at some point. And I don't know. I don't know if he'll if he'll be able to do that, if that is a situation he's fully forced into. But I don't know. I, I just I don't think the Cowboys are the team to to make that happen. If If there's a team that's going to make it happen, I don't believe that's the Cowboys. But we'll see. Yeah. To end today's show, what is your score prediction? 27-20 49ers. I I think, but again, both these offenses can be explosive. You may see a quarter, kind of like against the Seahawks, where team, you know, a team explodes or both teams explode, whatever. I think ultimately both these teams are held under 30. I do. I think this is the first game. I guess that'll be the next thing is like, well. He wasn't held under 30 as a starting quarterback until he faced a good defense. And so that's going to be Philly's feather that they put in their cap and think that they can exploit. We can hold him to 23. I don't know. Um, I think that's the first game that Brock Purdy and this offense are are held under 30. And that's okay. I think it's enough to win. 27-20, San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I, I have a similar score. I don't know if one team will be held under 30 or not. I have a feeling that it could be close I think what I settled on was 27-23. I said I could I could see 31-23, something like that, uh, in that I don't think the defenses are going to play poorly. I think the defenses are going to play well, but I do think that the offenses will also have stretches of good ball because both offenses are capable of that. And I think turnovers also because points off turnovers has been a thing for both teams. So I think that uh, the turnover battle will be equal. 
But the turnover battle, I got to say this before we end today's show. The 49ers, they've had the turnover battle in 10 of their 18 games this year, or 17 games. They've won all 10. The Cowboys also, when they win the turnover battle, they got a high chance of winning the game. That could be a determining factor as well in this game. Yeah, this will be the game that they both turn it over the same amount, and so then it's just going to come down to everything else. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, Jesse, I do want to say I appreciate uh, you taking your hour, obviously, coming on to the channel. Really appreciate your time and obviously everything that you do there. Why don't you go ahead and give a quick shout out to what you do and uh, what you got for the for the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. So at uh, JNA underscore LSS, you can find me on Twitter there. And Last Second Sports, search that up on YouTube. That's where I do most of the work. Um, mostly a 49ers channel, but 49ers and Lions mixed in. It's a lot of fun, and we have a lot of fun over there. We're approaching 10,000 subs, so if you're not subscribed over there, come show us some love. Um, We would love to get to 10,000 on this Super Bowl run. I think it would be a blast, but yeah, uh, you'll see me next doing a post-game show on on Sunday after a 49ers victory. Perfect. For those of you guys that love the post-game shows, he does a great job. I know you have David on there as well, so be sure to tune in over there after the post uh after the game because i know everyone's going to have their hot takes regardless of who wins it would be a fun one thank you guys though so much for tuning in i appreciate everybody who came into the chat and uh shared their support today we will be back soon probably yeah tomorrow morning i've got jack hammer on uh at noon i believe and so that'll be a fun show before obviously the weekend kicks off but thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.